Well, hello guys. Welcome to the Smile Out Loud podcast. I'm Maggie and I am so excited to share another episode today with you guys. Okay, so I am excited because it is officially spring and the weather has been so nice out here in New York. I've been able to take advantage of the sun these past few weekends, going out for bougie brunches and dinners, biking along the coast of Manhattan. I got to see Raya and the Last Dragon in theaters and oh my gosh, I absolutely loved the message and humor and I stan the Asian rep in Hollywood. I won't spoil it for you, but yo, the end credits song called Lead the Way by Janae Aiko has literally been on repeat for two weeks straight. I'm also just super happy to be able to do outdoor dining in such comfortable weather. I'm so tired of the big old winter jackets and drippy noses. Okay, so this is not to downplay the fact that people, we are still in a freaking pandemic, so please be mindful and do your part. Wear face masks social distance, and continue to practice clean behavior. I also recommend getting vaccinated if you can. A huge highlight, I was able to get my whole family vaccinated this week. Yeah, do it for your loved ones. I also want to use this chance to address one more very necessary topic. You know, last month in episode four, I spoke about the hate crimes and violence against the Asian community happening in prominent cities in California and New York. Um, You know, while that is still going on today, this month has not been any better with the Atlanta shooting killing eight victims in three separate massage spas. Six of those were Asian women with families and children young children. Now, imagine you're just having a regular old day, you know, either working a nine to five job or running coffee and uh, grocery errands or just taking your kids or your dogs out for a walk, not knowing that it could be the very last time you do any of those things. It's insane that today tragedies like these can still happen to anyone at any time, anywhere. And I'm just like, shook. And with all that's going on these few months, I've become so extra vigilant and awake as I commute in the subway or walk in public, fearing that someone might push me off the platform onto an oncoming train. I remember in January in an uptown D train, a woman was verbally assaulting me and my friends while pointing a pocket knife at us. Never in my 24 years of living in New York do I remember this kind of fear, feeling so vulnerable in public. I'm just like, there's so much work to be done. We need so much change and reformation and healing. An upside to all of this is that we as Asians are no longer going to tolerate and be silent with all of this. I'm so grateful for communities and groups that are coming together and uniting to stop Asian hate. We are rallying and protesting. We are volunteering to protect. And we are finally standing up for what's right, even though it might mean putting us in dangerous situations. And from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate and thank you all for standing with our community.
<sighs> Definitely a lot more conversations and actions to be taken, but switching a little gear to this week's very exciting episode. I've been a huge skincare enthusiast and advocate since I became educated a year ago, and that's why this episode was so dope to record. I had this amazing opportunity to speak with Miss Melanie Bender, the president of one of my favorite skincare brands, Versed Skincare. And as one of Forbes' fastest growing clean brands, they've got amazing products from cleansers, serums, oils, toners, moisturizers, retinol, sunscreen, creams, honestly, whatever you're looking for that's made with so much quality, sustainability, and cleanliness in mind. All right, I know what y'all thinking. This episode is not sponsored by Verse Skincare. I was just sharing my personal experience, but you can definitely pick some up at Target if you want. Um, if you have any questions on where to start in the skincare realm, let me know and I can definitely help as much as I can. I know it was very intimidating for me a year ago, but honestly, as you learn to take care of your skin, you learn to love yourself better and more every single day. And that's a small part that builds so much beauty and confidence overall. Okay, I can't wait for you to hear my conversation with Melanie as she dives into what it means to create a brand, such a powerful skincare brand that's very sustainable and people-minded. She is literally one of the most intelligent and kindest human beings and women that I've ever encountered in my life. Recently, Melanie reached out to me and asked if I was okay dealing with everything that's been going on in the Asian community. And I'm just like, I absolutely love her. And I know you'll love her too. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Hi, Maggie. I'm well. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so glad to hear from you. As I mentioned, I'm Maggie. I'm from New York. I currently work in the pharmaceutical industry two and a half years ago. And just a little bit about myself. I've always been a huge STEM girl since I was about 10. And I know that you got your bachelor's in sustainability. Am I correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly right. My first major was aerospace engineering. So it's oh my been gosh, that's so cool. <laughs> what is that about? Um, you mean, why did I do that? You know, I don't know that I have the clear narrative now, and I certainly didn't then. I can say that I was and, and still am a very curious person, and I really loved understanding how things work mm. and being able to kind of reduce things down to their bare bones, bare pieces, and and build them back, and and you know, hopefully. Uh, make them better. And I love how quantifiable and tangible and applicable the sciences and engineering mm. were. And it was also just honestly an area that I, I thrived in. And keep in mind, this is kind of pre-social media times. <laughs> I didn't have Instagram and Facebook to show me the amazing careers in fashion and beauty that were out there. Um, I'm the child of a marine biologist. And, you know, I kind of, I think was was perhaps sticking a bit more to what I, I knew and what I did well in. And certainly like the coursework in school was uh, so, so fascinating and interesting. And I started in aerospace engineering. At one point, I went and visited a family friend who was an aerospace engineer at his workplace where he proceeded to show me not the planes, not the, the plane wings, but the bolts for the plane wings that he worked on. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I think that was when I realized, again, this guy's his whole job is about optimizing a bolt. <laughs> I was just gravitating towards something, you know, a little bit more big picture than that. Yeah. Um, and that was when I transitioned into global environmental science and um, really the study of sustainability. This was about 20 years ago. So <laughs> sustainability wasn't what it uh, was then, what it is now. But, you know, I just loved understanding how the world works, um, the, the world being the earth, um, really understanding those complex systems that have made it this incredible environment, the only habitable um, planet, we think, <laughs> in our solar system. And that's so true. true. Yeah. And, you know, it's not just an incredibly complex machine. It's also the machine that supports all of human life and digging into things like climate, things like aquatic ecosystems, um, even, you know, kind of tectonic change. (laughs) It was um, it was very cool to learn, especially the intersection between humanity and the environment was just an area that I loved. I think because I did, I grew up in Hawaii, was very immersed in a beautiful environment and in a culture that really appreciated the natural environment for for the life that it brings. And as I started to learn more about things like climate change, um, water pollution, mass extinctions, it felt critical to dig in more and learn more. Um, And, you know, learn more with the intent of changing that fate that it seemed like science was telling us that we were headed down. Um, and that was really how I got into it. That's so amazing. I can't believe you like somehow uh, started in aerospace and then got into environmental sustainability. And then now you're in, I know now you're in skincare because I've been using Burston and that's how I connected with you. And um, I'd love to ask you about how you're integrating what you know, what you love in terms of the sustainability and eco-friendliness into creating and implementing that at Burst, where you are now. Yeah, yeah, and, and you're right. I am in skincare now, I'm in beauty now, mm-hmm. and I've been working in beauty for about a dozen years. And, you know, I think first I was able to get You're into so it. young though, Melanie, it can't be <laughs> a dozen. <laughs> I'm 36. Wow, that's so young. <laughs> I don't know, not, it feels older, it feels older. <laughs> but, um, I think, you know, I, so what happened is I was working in sustainability and I, I moved to New York and it was in New York that I really realized there was this kind of wealth of career paths out there that I hadn't really thought about, you know, had always loved fashion and beauty. And that was really where I felt that I could empathize with the consumer that it was serving, the world that it was creating, and just really exercise a lot more of that creativity and real world connection. And I had completely the wrong background to get into it. <laughs> right. So I, you know, I had to be very creative and persistent about how to make my entry and really just lean into my strengths. I mean, I had a non-traditional background, but what I was excellent at was using the scientific method, creating hypotheses, understanding data, um, operational type type thinking. How do you build and scale? Um, and that was what I uh, what I leaned into as my strengths. And I happened to start in fashion and beauty at a time that uh, social media and digital was becoming more and more of a focus. And being a millennial, it was something that I was not just, you know, excited about, but that's how I was spending much more of my time. And it was something that I felt was really the future for the industry and that I could 
be be a part of paving out what that meant for brands. So I started on the marketing agency side. And after a few years at another firm, I got together with a few other co-founders and co-founded my own firm in uh, in marketing at 24. Not, That's so <laughs> not knowing very much about the world, <laughs> but, you know, kind of having a, a plan for, for scaling it and really a specific focus on leveraging the emerging digital and social media channels. Uh, and through a lot of persistence, you know, was able to eventually bring in incredible clients like Sephora uh, and Makeup Forever. And honestly, that was really how I learned a lot about beauty and, and marketing by um, being able to to build the programs with brands uh, as their kind of hired hand through this agency capacity. And, you know, what was to me so magical about beauty and fashion was that emotional connection that it had with the consumer that it really, you know, it's about a belief system. It's about really wanting to bring a brand into your life and thinking that it's it's going to bring you closer to the things that that you value. I had had never stepped out of the sustainability world. I had on one, you know, one side I had clients that were the Sephora's and the LVMH's of the world, and on the other hand, I was working with these very small sustainable designers and brands that really working on solving that problem. But the world. The consumer wasn't ready for it. <laughs> it was looked at as a very granola thing for decades. I recognize now that it takes sometimes decades for that change to happen. And through working with the big brands, I really learned a lot about branding, about marketing, about even you know product formulation through working with one of the largest contract manufacturers of beauty in the U.S. In a very kind of split life, <laughs> was was very um, you know involved in sustainability and understanding how to um, thread that into a business, what it truly meant to be um, sustainable from a scientific jumping off point and not from you know like a marketing and greenwashing jumping off point. And, you know, I think it really took the consumer being ready for it and wanting more better for you, better for us options. I think it started with clean um, and the idea of using things that are going to be contributing to overall wellness and not uh, causing issues down the line. Um, I really think that the clean movement is what led to the sustainability movement as consumers really started to, to think more about the impacts of what they were putting on their, their body. They also started to think more about the impacts of uh, of those choices and decisions on the planet, and I think it you know it converges with a lot of other cultural things happening. Of course, um, an inconvenient truth in the um, the the work a lot of groups in sustainability have been trying to make to educate consumers and create that awareness. But I really do think it took brands prioritizing it, making it something that was aspirational, that was accessible. And that could be understood and implemented into a consumer's lifestyle to really reach that tipping point. It has been just incredibly exciting to see the progress over just the last, you know, four years that I've been working on Verse. At the start of it, sustainability was something that came up rarely, if ever. It was not a decision factor in consumers' behavior when they were looking for a product. And today it is one of, you know, it's not, it's still not the first thing I'd say it's still not even the second thing, but it's a, a strong third thing that consumers are really looking for. And it is truly that consumer demand for it that has caused the industry to completely change and shift because the power is with the consumer, not just the power of purchasing, but also in this democratized media landscape where we're all publishers, we're all content creators, you know, they're really holding brands to a higher standard, to accountability, to the values that they espoused. You know, I really do believe it's caused more 
progress towards a sustainable future over the last year than I've seen in probably the 10 years before that. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing. I never like I understood skincare, but I just never went into how clean and how friendly it is for both the consumer and the earth. Were there any challenges the team faced or you guys faced when you're looking into creating products and a brand that's sustainable? Yeah, I mean, there are there are all kinds of challenges. And, and frankly, like versus we're not a sustainable brand yet. <laughs> sustainable oh, yet? But I think you guys specific. are doing so well. I, I saw the other day, uh, I was excited because I used the Versed cleansing balm and I saw that there was a, an ingredient that was switched out, which um, yep. isn't so the, friendly. The for, yes, yes. And I thought that exactly. was a great move. Yeah. So I'm, I'm comfortable saying that we're sustainably minded. Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable saying that we're sustainable because sustainable, it means a very specific scientific thing. It means that we have the ability to keep doing what we're doing without impacting the ability of future generations to be able to, to thrive themselves. And as a society, we are nowhere near that point. Um, and we have, as a brand, made incredible positive changes to be heads and shoulders more sustainable than than conventional brands out there by uh, manufacturing with post-consumer recycled materials, by becoming um, the largest brand to be carbon neutral last year, by sourcing all four Stewardship Council certified paper, um, working with purely biodegradable and reef-safe formulas. But there are still things that we need to improve to be truly sustainable, like the end of life of our products, like having more transparency into really every ingredient that we're using to make sure that it's harvested and and handled in a way that isn't contributing to concerns for environments and, uh, and other factors. So there are incredible challenges. There's also more information than ever. And the first greatest challenge was just the information and the data to create the right solutions because you can't manage what you can't measure. Um, And because brands have only started doing this within the last few years, there's a real lack of data that that can help drive that decision-making. So that was kind of the first challenge. Honestly, like I said, we're still we're still overcoming. Um, we are in the process of becoming a climate neutral certified. They're a wonderful partner that help you both measure, reduce, and offset your climate footprint. And then you know we have our own internal systems for measuring and managing our waste footprint. But you know things that are in our future that we're we're not there yet are again you know really understanding the full life cycle of, for example, the ingredients that we're sourcing, where they're coming from, how they were processed and handled to understand all of those upstream and downstream impacts. And those are those are the, the hardest ones for a brand to wrap their arms around. I mean, knowing your direct impacts so the office that we sit in, the manufacturing facilities that we, we own or we direct, um, the stores that we manage, those are the easy things to, to quantify and manage. It's the upstream and downstream, who we, who we work with as third-party manufacturers, who we sell through how the consumer handles our product and throws it away. Those are the the really difficult things to solve that we're still as an industry needing to put a lot of time and uh, and effort into being better at. Do you guys take surveys or responses from consumers in terms of how they process like a bottle that's already empty? Yeah, absolutely. So we do we do a huge amount of of surveys and listening. Okay. Um, and recycling and sustainability is one thing that I just really love hearing from from people at because the kind of solutions that we put in place, they need to dovetail with behavior and intent on the consumer side. Otherwise, yeah. it's not going to work. 
Um, And definitely, you know, what we hear from the consumer, they are, at least our consumer, they are very focused on, on waste, wanting to reduce waste footprint, wanting to be able to recycle as much as possible. I do think there is still can be both an education gap and even a, you know, a service gap in terms of being able to truly um, recycle things. And I'm talking about here curbside recycling. So what you can throw in your recycling bin, have picked up at your curb and, you know, hopefully be recycled in, into another new, new material, new product. You know, I think most people probably don't have a huge amount of fluency in terms of what their uh, municipal recycling centers accept, how it needs to be handled, if it needs to be rinsed, washed, separated, that kind of thing. And, you know, I think it's just one of the government is not great <laughs> at, um, at, at uh, information education. So there's kind of a, a natural disconnect between those things. Um, but I think the consumer is putting in, you know, a huge amount of their own time and effort to figure it out. Um, we do see people really wanting to recycle, wanting to to do it right, but also having uh, a lot more interest and uh, and focus on what the brand is doing uh, on their own side to be able to create that lower waste um, outcome. I love that you shared so much about like the scientific side of it, like the scientific method and your role in marketing and your role in creating sustainable products. I'd like to just talk to you about your own skincare journey because I'm still new into this. Uh, I've only delved into skincare like a year and a half. So I've always found it to be such a powerful investment to build confidence in natural beauty. Um, as I said before, I, I only started getting into skincare when I was 22. So about two years ago, I didn't really want to put in the work because it seems so extensive and so overwhelming. You know, a lot of people have a gazillion products lined up for day and night routine and people, you know, invest so much in, in sunscreen. And I only started wanting to learn about it because I noticed how poor my skin felt and looked at at that point when I was going through kind of a puberty stage. And it just, you know, when your skin just felt so greasy, uneven, and you'd had acne breakout here and there, and you're just like, how can I control that? How can I ma- feel more comfortable and more beautiful in my own skin? And I think looking back at it now, I didn't feel as confident and beautiful with myself until recently where I took proactiveness in really investing in my own skin, as well as like the other well-roundedness in in mental health and physical health and emotional health, I think that those are all very important. Um, and as I mentioned before, I started using for my double cleansing routine, the cleansing balm, and it's been such a game changer. Um, and that obviously indirectly led me to reaching out to you, Melanie. And I love that I get the opportunity to talk with you. Um, and I've learned so much in terms of how do you create a brand and product that's that you're proud of and that other people are proud of. Can you just share a little bit about your own personal skincare journey? Yeah, and I love Thank what you. you shared right there so much. And that that is what makes skincare to me so fun. That yes, it's yes. not about covering stuff up; it's about working on you. Yes, <laughs> and you know, really the self care of it, the investment in yourself, um, and the idea that you know, hey, like we really get to create your your best you for this is what I really really love about it. Compared to you know, fashion, compared to makeup, it is a lot more a lot more soulful. Um, and yeah, I would say like, I, I have a lot of your uh, story resonates a lot with me. I don't think I thought about skincare at all 
until I was at least 20. Um, like I said, I grew up in Hawaii. I was putting on more tanning lotion <laughs> than sunscreen, which <laughs> I just regret so much now. <laughs> but that was my level of, uh, of education and skincare at the time. Uh, I remember having pimples and probably doing awful things to try to cover them up. Um, and it being just like the worst days of your life when you have to yeah. go to school and sit next to a boy and have, like, <laughs> a huge pimple with like crap caked on top of it. But yeah, you know, I think it was as I started to probably get a little bit older and, um, you know, you know, I had my first job, had my first paycheck coming in that I did start to get more interested in it as exactly like you said, like it was about self-care and me wanting to feel like, like my best me. Uh, and instead of covering things up, like actually like let's do the work underneath. <laughs> I think because of the amount of sun exposure I had, uh, as a young person, anything that's about aging well and resurfacing, addressing damage that's kind of lurking there, preventing future damage is, is, uh, what I am all about. Uh, I love retinol. I think the, the two things that every person of every age needs in their regimen are a retinol and an SPF. Um, and those things together, honestly, they'll take you pretty far. <laughs> in addition to those, I mean, I like to joke that I have literally every skin concern on the planet. And I, I kind of do. I have combination skin that has really bad hormonal breakouts, um, but gets dry in places, super oily in other places. Um, I love double cleansing with our uh, Gentle Cycle Milky Cleanser followed by our gel cleanser. And that to me does a really nice job of getting off the the stuff and the grime, but not overly drying. And then love a, a kind of lighter moisturizer uh, like our dew point to be able to put some of that hydration back in, but not create an oil slip. You know, I haven't, I'm honestly like, I, I try to keep it pretty minimal. So serums aren't a big part of my, my day to day. But uh, during the day, of course, having SPF on, we have some, some new product formulas that I'm testing that I can't reveal yet. But those are, uh, there's one in there that's a real staple in my day. And at night, uh, I love to use our Keep the Peace Acne Calming Cream Cleanser, which to me has just been so amazing for my hormonal acne, because it works preventatively with the salicylic acid, but it was formulated to be really nourishing. So it doesn't dry me out. And I feel like all the other ones, they really dry me out. And I end up with other problems. <laughs> if not a pimple, it's, it's, you know, kind of red peely skin. Retinol use, of course, only at night. Uh, and then the new night cream that is available on wait list <laughs> right now, it'll officially launch, uh, launch next week. Um, oh, I exciting. have been obsessed with that. Yeah. yeah. I love that you keep all your skincare routine in house. So. Oh, not all of it. I have, you know, I, on and honestly, there's so many other brands that right. I love. Uh, I think Use to the People does a really amazing job. Yes. And I love their, they have a uh, activated spray that when I, my skin is kind of irritated and red or needs a little pick me up during the day. I love that. Um, Biba Los Angeles uh, is, Biba D'Souza is the esthetician that I see. She's absolutely incredible, especially with acne prone skin. And she has a um, a really rich cream called her her B cream, her barrier cream. That is wonderful. So we do have incredible product in house. I love using our products, um, but you know I also love trying the the best of the best out there as well. Yes, thank you so much for sharing those. Um, well, I agree. I think that this like Western culture of tanning and glowing has really made us crazy about being in the sun so much. But just out of curiosity, being out in the sun and 
the effect of it. Is that a permanent damage? Or, and if not, is there any way to remedy it? Yeah, you know, I think yes and no. And, you know, I'll caveat all this with I'm not a, <laughs> a medical doctor. Yeah, me either. So I wanted to know if you knew. <laughs> yeah, I think certainly the best thing to do is to protect yourself and not let that damage happen. So wear an SPF, limit your amount of direct exposure. If you are out for more than an hour in direct sunlight, reapply that SPF, wear a hat, wear sunglasses, all that stuff. I think there are certainly things that you can do to uh, reduce the visible signs of damage. Um, so that's where retinols, which causes cellular turnover, um, kind of a, deeper in the skin is really incredible. Things like uh, our doctor's visits, uh, resurfacing mass, which is essentially a chemical peel. Those are really incredible at those dark spots, um, uneven texture, which is one of the signs of, of that damage. Um, but really the, the best thing to do is start protecting your skin as soon as, <laughs> as soon as, uh, as soon as you start to think about it. Uh, and like I said, SPF and retinol, it'll, it'll take you pretty far. Thank you so much for the advice. I'm going to look into retinol very soon. Before we end, Melanie, if you can share a piece of advice for young people who want to dive into the entrepreneurial world. I recently started a side business with my friends and it's so much research, so much behind the scenes work that really nobody tells you unless you are proactive in searching for answers and searching for ideas. So if you can share that, that'd be great. Yeah. Well, congrats on that. Thank you. Uh, and love that you shared You're that. You're so kind. <laughs> so so exciting. And it is young people that truly have the ideas and, and the passion and the understanding of where the world and culture are going that can really contribute to to making that best version of our future happen. Um, you know, the advice that I give is honestly to just start small and start very small in focus, um, start very specific in what you want to achieve, how you will succeed in getting there. Um, and, you know, an example of that that I use with Verse is we started just in skincare. Um, we knew exactly the, the mission that we wanted to accomplish. And on the marketing side, we really focused just on Instagram. We knew that we couldn't do everything out there and do it incredibly well. So focus on the things that will really drive your idea, your execution, and the things that you believe that you can really do well. And the piece of advice that I would give to entrepreneurs and, and, you know, anyone out there that's advancing professionally is don't try to follow the career paths of other people, <laughs> but really lean into your own strength and your mm -hmm. own curiosity, because that's going to lead you to the opportunities that everyone else is missing. Mm, that's so wonderful. Thank you so much for your time and generosity today. Also, I saw your post the other day on International Women's Day, and I just love that you're offering your time to mentor women to help them get back to work. Yeah, keep it up, Melanie. You're doing great things. Thank you, Maggie. Keep it up, too. You're honestly doing really incredible things, too. Thank you so much. Okay, wrapping things up. I hope that you were able to learn about sustainability, skincare, and how do you build a brand. In the grander scope of things, I hope that you're inspired today by these words to treat yourself and others with love. If I learned anything, it's that we need to be more open-minded and willing to learn, involve, engage, and push ourselves excel even in foreign fields. And I love the advice that Melanie gave 
to start somewhere small and keep branching out and evolving from that. And once again, thank you all so much for checking this podcast out. For more AO Amazing content in the future, <laughs> please feel free to subscribe to either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and as well as follow me on Instagram at I am Maggie Chen. If you have any reviews, positive, negative, um, you know, head on over to Apple Podcasts for those. Any suggestions, questions, comments, tips, I would love to hear all of them. And now signing off with the single most important thing. Remember to smile out loud. Bye.